This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? <laughs> Expecto Patronum! have forests to protect. Dwarf their mines. Mend their fields of grain. But we Harfoots have each other. For I must now wander this wandering We're safe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. As promised, we've got a review packed week for you. And uh, we started off yesterday with one fantastical film, 3,000 Years of Longing. Now we are headed to a billion dollar show. And that's not even an exaggeration. This is apparently the most expensive TV show ever made. It's firmly in the fantasy genre. We are, of course, talking about The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I don't know if there's a TV show that comes burdened with more expectation. My than Lord. This one. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like I... I feel like I didn't know what to get out of the show. And I, I was so afraid even just to have expectations because I thought there's no way they could be met. Um, at least for me, I'm really glad to be back in this world. And I think it's okay. So I will say, I think it's interesting that it came out after House of, Dra- House of the Dragon because there are comparisons to be made. I realized what I had missed was this kind of storytelling where there's this sort of expansive beauty to the world. There's this huge lore and mythology that backs everything, that everything is not just blood and grime and go, but people take time to like collect berries and have toast. (laughs) And remind you of the mythology at every turn. More on that later. But like you turn a corner and it's like, oh, the great halls of, you know, (laughs) then you go for it. (laughs) Um, So two episodes in, I'm very happy to be back. I have some issues. I feel like it hasn't quite taken off yet. But then that's maybe natural because it's a TV show and we're more used to these stories. Lord of the Rings in particular being movies. Oof, that is so interesting because I, I thought it took off in the first 10 minutes. I was like completely, completely mind blown at what I was looking at. Um, so a few years ago, right, when um, I was watching, I think, Game of Thrones, either season four or five, when the production went really up. So when the, the three dragons were there and the Night King started showing up a lot, um, I remember literally thinking to myself, like, how is this TV? Like, when did TV evolve into whatever this is for, like, small screen stuff instead of coming out in the cinema? And then over the weekend, when I was watching uh, The Rings of Power, episodes one and two, I had, like, the exact same thought, but slightly amplified. I was like, how? is this TV? Like, how are they making stuff like this for smaller screens and not for like IMAX or like giant cinema halls? Because that that prologue alone, right, that one shot of the fell beast, um, you see you see like an eagle, no spoilers, but um, it, it's eye candy. Like the eye candy is crazy. The production is insane. Um, it gave me chills. It gave me like so many goosebumps so many times. And I, I loved it. I loved both episodes one and two. Guys, I'm finally in the prequel mood. It has finally (laughs) happened. I never thought it would. I was such a doubter. I was not ready to go back um, to the... I was not ready to go back to Middle Earth. Um, I am a 
huge Lord of the Rings nerd. It's one of those, you know, extended version, cinematic version. Mm -hmm. I've seen them. I've done the marathon. I've done the marathon more than once, more than thrice. You know, I'm, I'm really, I love Lord of the Rings. And then The Hobbit came and, and I felt like, okay, I'm still, you know, this is fine, but it's not the same and, and okay. And then after The Hobbit comes The Rings of Power and I was like, oh, how much further back can we go? And because it's Tolkien, we could keep going forever. And so not very excited. And then the first two episodes just really, really blew me away. And I think a lot of it had to do with... Um, with the quality of the visuals, admittedly, but also with the fact that there is, a, like you said, Shamila, a familiarity and a grounding in the story because we know where a lot of these things come from. In some instances, you're seeing characters on screen that are related to other people that you know are the predecessors of um, of or the ancestors of people that you're going to see later. There's a there's a strong through line and connection through everything. And it just feels like the people know what they're doing. Now, I do think that the television part of it does mean that we are in the ground setting, we're in ground setting mode. So we do leap from like, here are the men problems and here are the dwarf problems and here are the elf problems. And because of that, there is sometimes that choppiness that you don't get with a film, but it's only the first two episodes. I'm expecting that once things start to coalesce and coagulate, that it, it's going to get just more and more cinematic. Ah, yes. So it's it's mine is not even a criticism so much as I think I need to retool my brain to think of this not in the way I think of the movies, which are so... Um, overwhelming and and loom over the my experience of middle earth right uh, because for me two episodes in the thing that tv does so well which is especially when you're doing different people in different places where you you sort of go from one plot line to another plot line and another plot line as of now two episodes in i feel like there's so many questions and statements that allude forebodingly to something um a mystery revealed but we don't know what and so like at the end of two episodes every scene seems to end with someone proclaiming something mysteriously and so there's a little bit of a oh my god i have to wait so long for a payoff like what's going to happen but the process of getting there, the the way the show looks, oh my God, the show is so beautiful. Um, I, I, I love it. I, I'm really glad that the show exists so far. I'm hoping that they take it along the same path. Um, there are certain characters and plot lines that haven't yet clicked for me, I think, which I'll get to later. So you, you said that, you know, the show uh, isn't trying to be the like the older movies, right? At the same time, I appreciate them trying to emulate the feel of the old Lord of the Rings movies. I don't think that was something they could ever run away from because, like you said, it's so overwhelming. It's so big. Um, at the same time, I this show is never going to be the older movies. Like those three, that trilogy was like lightning in a bottle. Like there's no way anything's going to come close to those those films. Um, but then I think the the pumping in the 700 something million dollars, uh, the massive budget, I think all those things really help the show try to be as close as possible to a prequel, but not prequel of the movies, because it's not in the movie canon also, right? It's a completely different thing. It's like an adaptation. It doesn't have to directly connect. So I, as, as, like, just as a fan, I was like, oh, I appreciate that you're going for it. I appreciate that you're not trying to do something too different. It looks familiar. It's, it is nostalgic. But at the same time, it's not 
it's not trying to compete or compare, lah, which would just like set it up for disaster immediately. I mean, for better or for worse, we're in appendices territory, which is crazy to me. Like, I never thought mm. that of all the things that we would start adapting, it would be the appendices. But like, that's, that's <laughs> in fact where we are. So it, it frees... It frees the showrunners up a little bit, right, to to be able to tell different sorts of stories, despite the fact that, and this is not a spoiler, because it does take place um, centuries before Lord of the Rings starts. So we know that we are headed down a, a Sauron path, for example, that ultimately that is still where we're going. Um, Galadriel, I have to call her that. Normally, I would say Galadriel, casually, but the, mo- <laughs> the, the show is very insistent on... Galadriel. Galadriel is what we shall say. Yes, and Elrond. So you know, it's just it's very very precise. Anyway, um, we've got we've got Sauron, we've got Galadriel. So because of that, I think we are somewhat aware of what their paths, for instance, are going to be. So there are large shapes within the show, but within it, there are smaller stories and some of the mysteries really do work for me. I don't know how much we can say. Um, there, is a, there is a mysterious arrival Mm. that I'm very intrigued by and that I think that they're playing the ambiguity on quite beautifully because you don't know where it's going to go. Um, there's the question of what's happening in, in Villages of Man, for instance, and, and I'm very curious about that as well. I'm just excited. I didn't expect to be. I really think the fact that with Lord of the Rings, they can go thousands of years back is in the show's favour because unlike the thing I said when we reviewed the first episode of House of the Dragon, yes, we know where the Lord of the Rings ends. We also know what happens in The Hobbit, but this feels far enough back that you're, I mean, you're talking about the second age and the third age. There are so many things that could happen which are equally high stakes, right? We don't have to necessarily think, ah, but what could happen that's as dramatic as what happens in The Lord of the Rings? So you're kind of freed from having to think of it in those terms. And and I like that. I like that the scope of this world, the scope of this story is brave enough to take take that up and to, to actually think, hey, we can tell a fresh story in this world and we're not tied to uh, perhaps what was in the books. Oh, I I had the opposite um, take, you know, like I I thought the the show's biggest obstacle was that it expects you to know Lord of the Rings. Mm. Like um, I was looking at it like, Mm. you know, because we know Lord of the Rings, like we know Sauron and we know about the war and stuff. But I've a few friends who have kids who are like uh, either either kids or preteens who have no interest in Lord of the Rings. Like they've never seen the movies. They don't want to see the movies and they don't want to sit through it. So I don't know. I, I don't know if they would latch on to a show like this. Because but it is, is the show movie. for them though? I mean, at a certain point, you got to wonder if you come into Star Wars in like Rogue One, mm. is this is that film for you? You know what I mean? I don't know. I think because this show is trying to separate itself so much and it also is a PG show instead of being like a rated R, like Game of Thrones thing, I think they are going for, I don't know, family friendly or you can watch with a whole family kind of thing. Um, and I was thinking like if I didn't know who Sauron was or what Morgoth is or, you know, uh, what the elves do or the dwarves do or who, who Durin is. I, I wouldn't know where the story is going because they keep switching from place to place and place with funny names and weirder people. And I would be like, where is this actually going? It's just a bunch of scenes cobbled together that don't make any sense. But because I know that Lord of the Rings is a thing, I'm enjoying the show so much because it's so nostalgic. And I'm like, oh, it's that name and this name and it's the Dwarf Kingdom and the mines or whatever. I think it cuts both ways because, of course, the beauty of a prequel is that you can theoretically watch it without anything. 
right? That, that's supposed- and all the Lord of the Rings movies are on Amazon Prime now. <laughs> Just by the by. Uh, but that's supposed to be it, right? Um, the, the prequel, in theory, sets up everything that is to come. That's what a good prequel should be doing. And so... I think when we say that if it's not for you or, or if you're not able to latch on to it, that might have more to do with the fantasy genre than anything else. Because um, fantasy is rife with the house of, son of, an explanation of like this person going don't know how many centuries back to, to not accomplish some task that is now burdening whoever. Like all of that is uh, a hallmarks, right, of fantasy storytelling more so than they belong to Lord of the Rings. It's just that Lord of the Rings is the granddaddy of, of so much of fantasy. But the generic trappings belong to the genre, not so much the story. So I think if you're a fantasy fan and you've somehow missed Lord of the Rings, that the Rings of Power will be fine. Um, it's only if you find all the wigginess and the rambling and the the you know walking through forest tiring, then then maybe <laughs> you know this is this is never going to be for you. So. You know, there is that. Anyway, we're talking today about The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which uh, two episodes of which dropped on Amazon Prime last week. Let us know if you've watched it and if you plan to and if you're a Lord of the Rings completist. Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9. You have fought long enough, Galadriel. Put up your sword. The enemy is still out there. The question now is where? It is over. You have not seen what I've seen. I have seen my share. You have not seen... ...what I have seen. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, because that's everything. No, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvind, but that's what we're reviewing. And um, Sharmila, what are your problems? Because you said you would bring them up later. <laughs> and I thought, I'll open it up. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Actually, the more I think about it, the bulk of my problems comes down to the fact that the first two episodes have been very heavy on Galadriel and the elves. <laughs> and uh, I haven't just haven't warmed up to the character yet. Um, I feel like maybe it's a little too different from the Galadriel that we're used to the who? with the movie. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't want to say that. I feel like such a pretentious person. Um, I almost said a word I shouldn't say on air. But anyway, um, I... I think it's taking me time to warm up to this version of the character. Um, I also think that the elves storyline in general so far is probably the stodgiest of everything because every time they switch to the Harfords or when we ended up in, it's okay, we end up in Khazad Doom. And, you know, I was like, oh my God, this this is so much fun. Like these characters are great. Um, even the Even the sort of little interludes we have with, the, the village that's in the world of man um, is exciting. The elves, however, so you know that thing in TV shows where one plot line of everything makes you feel like, oh man, are we here again? How long are we going to be here? I'm starting to feel that a little bit with Galadriel's story. I'm just hoping it's growing pains and that I get over it. You know how, I, I love how in like fantasy stories, whenever they switch to the world of man, it's the worst looking of the world. <laughs> no. 
We're like just every- a step above orc. And there's always <laughs> a horrible a bar that looks like everything smells yeah. and yeah. nobody like nobody wears decent clothes. Yeah, and you're like, of course no one comes here. Like, of course the economy is the worst because it looks like this. Like, the world of men is always like the, the least tempting place to the go Harfords to. The Harfords eat snails and blackberries and they live better than us. Yeah, the colour grading so much nicer <laughs> in their world, you know. Um, I think the thing that, that helped me... Uh, get on with this like like really really quickly is the music so that was one of my i was so skeptical about oh, music the music was you know? great the music was so good i think getting uh bear mccreary to score this thing was like just pure genius he scored uh god of war the the latest god of war game and playing that i always thought like man this this is such a lot of the rings music because and ironically like god of war is inspired by a lot of the rings so getting him to score this there was so many times when i thought about god of war but then i was like oh this has come full circle because it's god of war and lord of the rings and a bit of the hobbit and it's just like it's just a nice mesh of everything that works like and i love the score Y'all, I think it's very clear by now that I'm enjoying the show, which is why I feel free to say this. Um, I think the elves are the worst. I've come to realise it. It took me it took me freaking six movies and two episodes of a show to start to reckon with the fact that the elves are kind of boring and culty. Like, like they're just always rambling in rhyme. Their society is weirdly hierarchical. Their rituals are very cultish. And... And they just don't respect one another or others. I mean, so, what does it say that the best version of your community is Legolas? Right. Who I, I mean, I, I deeply yeah. enjoy, but he's clearly the nicest elf we've met. Not Tauriel. <laughs> from, oh, from, yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot Tauriel. Yes. Yeah. But she was kind of an outcast. See, the nicest person they kick out. This is what I'm saying. So I've come to realize that elf community is just kind of ugh. like they, they live in beautiful lands. So as as men, we are obviously preconditioned to want to live there because in Law of the Rings, our lands are terrible. But it doesn't (laughs) change the fact that you'd go there and like the king would speak to you in riddles and rhyme and then you'd eat like one berry and then walk around for a bit. And that's their world. All of which to say, I don't think it's a Galadriel problem. <laughs> I, think, I think that the show has a dawning elf problem. Because in the past, we saw elves in contrast with war. So they always feel oh. like a bit of a, a reprieve, right? But now we're seeing what they do in their spare time and it's terrible. <laughs> so it, it's a bit different. Oh, and you know what? As you're saying that, I was also thinking the other thing that kept niggling at me was... Aren't people supposed to look at elves and be like, whoa, you guys are amazing. You guys do cool stuff. You're light of foot and you can fly, like, you know, hop over things. And the elves here are also just kind of boring. Like, there's a great um, action sequence that I won't spoil, which admittedly Galadriel was great in. Um, But overall, they actually just look like kind of boring people. You know why? It doesn't have the the Peter Jackson glow mm, around there when the elves it. rock up yeah and and yeah, also yeah, yeah. there's no comparison with other like actual mankier looking people right exactly and then like now there's a twist so you like you kind of like the dwarves a bit more because the dwarves know how to have fun and they're like regular mm-hmm. people and then the elves are doing all their highbrow stuff that you're like i i don't know if i click with this as much um the the other thing i was thinking of though and this i do enjoy and i'm glad the elves exist for is that um their racism is so interesting to watch on screen because it's not direct. Yes, correct. And and because yeah. um, it, I'm always interested in, and this is something that Lord of the Rings did not do. Um, the book did, the movies did not. But in the effects of war 
and what happens, right, to to the communities that are left behind. And the book was very explicit about that. Like there's an entire afterword that was not just five separate endings that Peter Jackson couldn't decide on. It was actually, you know, what happens after war. And I think that um, The Rings of Power does that quite well to, to say that, well, here we are, um, you know, 70 years or so after the last great war. And these are still the lingering after effects between the races or between the types of um, beings that populate this part of the world. And I thought that that was very interestingly done. It was really nicely done. Um, it's also quite nice to be at the start where, so basically, uh, man betrayed everyone else and aligned mm. themselves with Morgoth, which which again, we're much closer to that storyline than we were in Lord of the Rings. So you get to actually see how these these races interact and sort of distrust each other. And, and I love that. And again, something I think you can do a lot better on a TV show than you could in a movie. I love it. Um, I don't want them to get too deep into it, though, because then I'm, I'm afraid it won't be Lord of the Rings anymore, because Lord of the Rings is not Game of Thrones for that reason, right? It doesn't get into the super complex, complicated uh, post-war stuff. Um, and I like that. There's an innocence to Lord of the Rings, um, and I hope they keep that without getting without getting too dark about it, even though it is a dark story. I don't want them to get too dark about stuff. Interesting, because it's hard to say, right, exactly where it's going to go. Um, I think some of the storylines have huge potential for darkness and mm -hmm. to really go to very strange places. And I think we also live in a bit of a different era now. So it's it's almost like Lord of the Rings was the granddaddy, even in cinema or fantasy filmmaking. But then now we live in a post-Game of Thrones era. We live in a post-streaming era. So I wonder whether that mode of storytelling will also change. I think it will. I think it's definitely going to force them to to change a bit. Um, just going back to the music for a bit, though, whenever we do see the One Ring, and I and I think we will, the One Ring's theme has to be from the movies, right? There's no there's no music that can back the One Ring why other else, than Howard Shaw's. Why else do you have so much money if you're not going to pay exactly. <laughs> to pay, use yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. So yeah, so that's what we expect to see. Get on it. I mean, they, they're done. They're done, really. But whatever. That's what we expect now. Um, we've been talking today about the first two episodes of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, um, which is up on Amazon Prime. I think new episodes will now be dropping henceforth. Uh, let us know if you've watched it, if you plan to. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.